Season 7. Goodness me, how time flies when you're having fun. Been all of America. 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 Audio. Ladies and gentlemen, been all of America. Where are the freedom fighters? Where's the underground? Where's the resistance? Is that awesome? You know, and I, <laughs> it's, it's us, I guess. If the federal government of the United States was an individual, none of us would have anything to do with him. <laughs> yeah. Because he's a proven liar. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, I, I don't know who I who I'm more frustrated with the uh, the people who are trying to put this over on us and control us and uh, learn every detail of our life, keep us under surveillance 24 seven, or the idiots that are putting up with it. <laughs> Hey, you and I are still here, and we're still saying the same stuff. Absolutely. It's just it has been being proven more and more true. <laughs> Things are ramping up. Yeah. Okay. And we're getting ready for some some really wild stuff. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio with your host. Him and all. What is going on, my friends? This is Tim Benall of BenallofAmerica.com with the season premiere of BOA Audio Season 7. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the long wait is over. We are back with a slew of underground esoteric audio for all of our great listeners around the world. Get ready, my friends, for another journey into the unknown, the paranormal, and the parapolitical here on BOA Audio. I am beyond excited about being back. I cannot wait to unleash these conversations we have cultivated over the last two months. And I will talk a lot more about BOA Audio Season 7 at the end of this program. But I know you want to hear some fresh banal of America audio. It has been far too long. So let's get down to business and dive on in to the season premiere of BOA Audio Season 7. By now, it should come as no surprise to you who our guest is. He is an icon of BOA Audio. He is a legend in the world of the paranormal and parapolitical. I am talking about, of course, the one and only Jim Mars. And this time around, the season premiere is quite the freewheeling conversation. It really turned into a jam session here with Jim Mars, very much different from our previous season premieres. We just cover a whole bunch of different topics. Here are some of the big talking points from this conversation. We're going to be covering ancient aliens, UFOs, the nefarious New World Order agenda, technology and surveillance run amok, weather manipulation, population control, Ron Paul and the 2012 election, and ultimately how dire the geopolitical landscape looks for those of us who are hoping to see a better tomorrow. That's right, it's kind of a dark conversation, but don't be too frightened, my friends, because alongside the doom and gloom, 
there are plenty of laughs, sober reflections, and looks back at how the world has changed since we sat down with Jim Mars in August of 2005 to begin this program. So buckle up, my friends, for another wild ride, because Season 7 of BOA Audio has finally arrived. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Jim Mars, allow me to provide you with a little background on him. After graduating with a degree in journalism from the University of North Texas, he served in the U.S. Army, after which he became a reporter for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Jim worked for and owned several Texas newspapers before becoming an independent journalist-slash-author. His in-depth investigative book, Alien Agenda, has been cited as the best-selling non-fiction book on UFOs in the world, having been translated into several languages. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Crossfire, The Plot That Killed Kennedy, which served as a basis for the Oliver Stone film JFK, and Rule by Secrecy, the hidden history that connects the Trilateral Commission, the Freemasons, and the Great Pyramids. He's also the author of Psy Spies, The Terror Conspiracy, Rise of the Fourth Reich, and The Trillion Dollar Conspiracy. Alongside those fantastic works is the fiction book Sisterhood of the Rose. And in the following conversation, Jim will reveal the title and topic of his next book, which he completed just days prior to this interview. His website is www.jimmars.com. Pretty simple, all one word, J-I-M-M-A-R-R-S.com. Check it out. And with all that said, and without any further ado, let's get down to business, my friends, and rock and roll. This interview was recorded on April 20th, 2012, Jim Mars, on the season premiere of BOA Audio, Season 7. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the premiere of BOA Audio, Season 7. We are ready to start a whole other journey, my friends, and that means only one thing, of course. I've told this story so many times, but I feel like I should say it once again. You know, way back in October of 2003, I was kind of lost in this world, didn't know which direction to turn, was confused about what was going on uh, in this strange country of ours and on the planet, and picked up by happenstance a copy of Rule by Secrecy, and that really served as the roadmap uh, of my journey into the esoteric, quickly devoured all of our guest books following that, and uh, each new book that came out I eagerly uh, anticipated and also read. I'm a huge fan, I consider him a mentor in this field, if it wasn't for him, there would be no banal of America, and uh, you know, a couple years after I read Rule by Secrecy, I started this program uh, a long seven years ago now at this point, folks, and uh, each season we uh, have him help us shove the boat off on another journey into the unknown, so he's doing it once again. I can't put him over enough, he's one of the all-time greats, he's a legend, he's the foundation upon which this very program is built, my friends. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Mars returns to the program. Thank you so much, Jim, for coming back and helping us kick off Season 7. Season 7. Goodness me. How time flies when you're having fun. Indeed. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, I'm not sure if you're bragging or complaining, but uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate, the, appreciate the kind words. And, uh, you know, it's folks like you and many, many others that uh, there, there's definitely an awakening taking place in this country unfortunately it's slow kind of one zombie at a time but it is happening okay and now it's just a foot race to see whether enough people wake up and say whoa wait a minute let's put a stop to some of this or do we just keep rushing lemming like into this huxwellian 
future, you know, of drugs and, and total individual control. It's scary. It's scary. Let me run down the books once just for folks uh, who are somehow living under a rock and don't know about uh, the amazing bibliography here. Crossfire, of course, the plot to kill Kennedy. That's been used as the basis for the Oliver Stone JFK film. Also, Rule by Secrecy, as noted, Alien Agenda, Psy Spies, Terror Conspiracy, Rise of the Fourth Reich, Above Top Secret, The Trillion Dollar Conspiracy, and the fiction book Sisterhood of the Rose. Now, it's been about a year and a half since we talked, and surprisingly, I haven't had a new Jim Mars book in my hands. So what have you been up to uh, in the last like year and a half or so? Well, funny you should ask. I just have sent off a whole new book to HarperCollins, which will be due out prom, maybe if we're lucky by the end of the year. Uh, although nice. I just got an email today. I sent it to them almost uh, three weeks ago, and they got a thing today said, uh, uh, we can't seem to find it. Could you resend it? Oh. So, so you can see uh, how the uh, publishing industry, uh, which is suffering so much because people aren't reading much anymore, and, and the way they respond is to move as swiftly as an arthritic turtle. So, uh, you know, but with any luck, it may be out by the end of the year, and if not, by the beginning of uh, next year. And uh, this is going to be a zinger. Uh, the title is Our Occulted History. Interesting. And uh, I use the term occulted. Not, and this is great because a lot of people pick it up saying, oh, boy, it's the occult. I'm going to read about vampires and werewolves and <laughs> devil worshippers. But nope. This is occulted as used in the astronomical sense. Uh, when the moon uh, eclipses the sun, that's called an occultation hmm. because it hides or masks the sun. So our occulted history basically just means history that has been hidden from us. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a good read. Sounds fascinating and a whole different sort of uh, realm than you've gone down. So how how you know the risk? Uh, I don't want you to give too much or anything really away, but you know, give us sort of a thumbnail on what this is going to be like. A, a look back well, at the entire history of America or the planet or or what exactly? Uh, going back to the Big Bang Theory. Oh wow, really? <laughs> I mean, this is everything. Wow, uh, including the kitchen sink. Now, I think basically it's uh, it's in two parts. Uh, the, the majority of it is uh, information which uh, presents very compelling, if not overwhelming, evidence that we have not been alone in this solar system and on this Earth. Uh, the idea of ancient astronauts is one which, uh, when first advanced, I guess, by uh, Von Däniken back in the 70s, everybody just went, ah, ha, ha, what a bunch of nonsense. But today, the evidence is pretty overwhelming. And there are more and more scientific uh, discoveries that are taking place, uh, which uh, science refers to as anomalies. Okay, yeah. and you'll find the definition of anomaly is just, well, basically, in, in, computer, in computer talk, it's a big, giant, WTF, you know, <laughs> ah, ah, what's that? It doesn't fit in. That doesn't fit in with our, uh, with our known stuff, you know, so, but, <laughs> and the world's just full of them. Absolutely. And all the way back to giant lost civilizations with huge uh, blocks of stone that weigh up to uh, 12 tons that can barely be lifted by our modern technology and, and cannot be moved. And yet they uh, are found hundreds of miles away from where they were quarried and placed in these 
perfectly, perfect alignments, okay? Um, people still wonder about Stonehenge, and there's still a lot of questions about the Great Pyramid. Um, uh, a few years ago, I went to Egypt, and the thing about the Great Pyramid, and particularly the Sphinx, is that all the around on the Sphinx and on the around it where it was has been leveled off, and you get down to the original uh, layers of earth uh, surrounding the Sphinx, and there is quite obvious deep vertical water erosion, which means it's set out under very heavy rains, and yet science tells us there hasn't been any precipitative rain on the Giza Plateau for more than 10,500 years. What does that mean? That means the the Sphinx set out under heavy rains more than 10,500 years ago. So it was built about 5,000 years before the Egyptians ever came along. <laughs> but, of course, there's very, very stout resistance to this, just like uh, recently they have discovered a pyramid in Bosnia that is uh, even larger than the Great Pyramid. Uh, and... Uh, of course, there's great resistance to that. Oh, that's not a pyramid. It's just a big hill. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it's three-sided. It's you know, it's a three-sided uh, pyramid. And uh, there are. How do you explain that there's tunnels and passageways inside this natural hill? Oh, weird. But you're not going to find anything about that because if you go Google Bosnian pyramid, all you read is a page of the experts, most of whom have never even gone there who just say, oh, no, no, that can't be right. And why? Because it doesn't fit in with the official paradigm. Amazing. See, yeah, thought, there's okay. just amazing stuff. So something was going on. There was somebody here, maybe maybe proto-humans, maybe a, an advanced race prior to that we are just now uh, evolving out of, or perhaps extraterrestrials. Who knows? But there was a highly technological civilization on this planet long before our history. That is, like I said, the evidence is just almost overwhelming once you put it all together. Right, right. Well, then that leaves the question, well, wait a minute. They all die off? Do they all leave? Uh, are some of them still here? Well, all you have to do is uh, consider our known history. Uh, if, as we are taught, this has just been one slow evolutionary climb from hunter-gatherers to city-states and and then nations, and then empires, uh, you know, then history should not have any bumps or bubbles in it. It ought to be just one, you know, slow upward climb. Right. And yet, that's not really what we find. We find the Vyamas, some of the oldest writings in the world, the Hindu writings, where they talk about the Vyamas, the flying machines. We've got the gods of all the... Uh, native populations where gods came from the sky, taught them knowledge, taught them how to do things, gave them gifts. You've got uh, the flying boats of the Egyptians, the flying shields recorded by the Romans. You've got ancient coins and paintings from the Middle Ages that show circular craft flying in the air. I mean, and then now today we've got all the UFO reports and the, the uh, cattle mutilations and the crop circles. So, well, wait a minute. Something's going on. Somebody's still here besides us. And just because we don't see them every day and just because they, for whatever reason, don't want to make themselves uh, prominently known doesn't mean they're not here. In fact, uh, when I was a young man, the whole idea for UFOs was one of two things. It's just misidentified satellites or 
aircraft or whatever, or it was some uh, uh, illusion uh, or mass psychosis. <laughs> Boy, I really, Tim, I love that explanation because as a young newsman, a journalist, I thought, wow, what a story, a heretofore undiagnosed, contagious mass psychosis. What a story. And yet, you don't hear that anymore. Why? Because of the advent of the camcorder and the and the uh, cell phone with cameras on it that can even take film. And now you go Google up UFO and you could spend probably uh, the next year yeah. <laughs> looking at stuff on the Internet. And even if you say, well, half of that is, is folks faked and photoshopped, which could be, that still leaves half of it that means there's something real up there, okay? So there's obviously somebody still around. So now the question is, now the second part of my new book details what I think you you and a lot of your guests and a lot of your audience talks about, which is the New World Order, the idea that there is a handful of people at least trying to control the world, hmm. and they're doing it through uh, primarily through the financial system, because as we all know, we live by the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. We've seen this little house of cards kind of tumbling over the last couple of years, uh, but it's nevertheless, whoever controls the money controls, and that's at the at the seat of all our problems. And once you start looking at who controls the money, in fact, uh, I cite a study that was done in Switzerland that shows that there's like 47 corporations with interlocking boards of directors that control virtually the entire corporate business of the world. And now that's really getting kind of down to it. So in other yeah. words, you've got maybe a few, th- couple thousand people, which is no more than just a small town, uh, that, uh, is trying to control, uh, Every 600, day. you know, <laughs> 6 billion of the rest of it, the <laughs> planet of the apes. Oh, God. Uh, now how so do you now, connect the first part and the second part, though? That's the question. How do you, do they connect? And if so, how do they? Right. Are these people who are trying to control the world today, are they uh, trying to contact these ancients, or are they already in contact with them and being guided or controlled by them? You're bringing or, up all these things, I'm thinking, yeah. Or are they them. the ancient creator? Yeah. For example, this is one thing I stumbled across that I just found really fascinating, is I'm sure the name Rothschild rings a bell with you. Absolutely. Okay. Well, back uh, some years ago, uh, the Rothschilds named one of their uh, prodigies uh, Nimrod, which was an ancient Sumerian god. That's right, yeah. So that means they not only are aware of these ancient texts, which talk about these uh, extraterrestrials that they called Anunnaki, who uh, came uh, to the earth to colonize, but they not only are aware of them, but they venerate them to the point of naming one of their uh, children after them. That's a tough name to have in this day and age, too, wouldn't you think? Nimrod? Yes. <laughs> hey, you Nimrod. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, I guess you're lucky to have the Rothschild last name at that point. That's right. That, that'll slow them down a little bit. <laughs> well, this is a mind-blowing because I... I'm thrilled that you've, you've, uh, you know, because you've been doing conspiracy stuff for a long time uh, in the interim since we first talked. I'm glad you sort of taken a look. I know you've always been interested in the UFO thing and have kept your thumb on it, but I'm glad that it's sort of back into your middle you, if you will. This is exciting. 
Well, it is, Tim, and, and I think one of the problems is, is that, see, uh, even in the conspiracy research community, we tend to fall into the same trap that they do in the conventional world, which is everybody gets uh, specialized. Yeah. You know? Everybody gets in their own little thing. There's people that all know about the banking uh, malfeasance, and then there's people who are all into the Fukushima, uh, you know, uh, radiation still spewing, going to get you scenario, and then there's people who are still looking at the Gulf disaster and that's not over with. They're still spraying Corexit even as we speak, and the Gulf is dying. 50% of the shrimp that they're now uh, catching down at Valdivia uh, in southern Louisiana are, are without eyes. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's a mess, and yet it's not getting reported on because we're all too busy worrying about Secret Service agents getting prostitutes and uh, who's going to win American Idol and all that important stuff, you know. But uh, so the, even in the research community, though, people get very uh, specialized. And, like, uh, there's a lot of people who look into the New World Order, but they have not paid any, much attention to UFOs. Right. And same thing with people in the UFO community, but they haven't paid that much attention to government conspiracies. So what you have to do is you have to back up and look at the whole thing as a big ball of wax because it all is interconnected. Absolutely, yeah. That's what we've been saying for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, kind of like how Alien Agenda and Rule by Secrecy go hand in hand. So it's exciting to see uh, this new book on the horizon. Right. Very, very exciting. I'm really looking forward to this. Well, I'm feeling like all nostalgic here because we're starting the seventh season and you were the first guest ever on, you know, season one, episode one. And I remember uh, way back in that first conversation I had with you, I asked you about 2012 and you said, you know, we're not even going to recognize, you know, the world we're living in. And this was back in 2005. And it really is quite true. I mean, this changed so much. You know, half the country almost is out of work. And yet our president, you know, spends hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, touring around and playing golf and, you know, sending his wife on shopping sprees and his daughters to Mexico to vacation. You know, it's like, uh, wait a minute, what about the rest of us? Yeah. And uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you where we are. This, this is great. This, uh saw this other day. Here's a, here's a guy over in Iraq, one of our troops, okay? And he's reading a letter from home. And it says, Dear Jimmy, hope all is well in Iraq. We are so proud of you for going over there to fight for our freedom. A lot has happened since you left. Our home was taken by the feds for back taxes we owed. And then the family business was condemned by the city so they could build a football stadium. Mom was arrested for carrying a gun in her purse. And your brother's in prison for smoking a joint. At least your sister's okay, although she has to go to court for not wearing a seatbelt. Wish you were here to help pay for all the legal fees, but just knowing you're over there fighting for the liberties we cherish makes it all worthwhile. Love, Dad. (laughs) Boy, isn't that just about where we are? Maybe we need to take those our guys and gals out of Iraq and out of Afghanistan and bring them back here to fight for our liberties because they're taking them away, you know swiftly and one at a time. Right, right. Slowly but surely. You don't even notice it. It's very scary like that. Uh, one one kind of like bone that I've been chewing on, and, and I sort of ended season six on this note, uh, talking to Brad Stogger and Whitley Street, the, the thing came up again and again. Uh, and I figure uh, since we're starting the new season, this is a good sort of uh, segue, I guess. And this is what's been tr- troubling me in a lot of ways in the last few years. And I'm sure you'll 
you'll be able to speak to this. And this is the, the melding of man and machine, this, this obsession with the smartphones and, and people. I feel like people are just completely losing their humanity, like, faster and faster. And you can't go anywhere without seeing people, you know, whose minds are in the machine all the time. You know, you go to a bar somewhere, the two, you know, the person on your left, the person on your right, they're both looking at their phone. You can't even start a conversation. It's scary. I know. Well, I, you know, I tell you, the day is fast coming where you go to the refrigerator and reach in there to, to, you know, to, to get, to get a donut or something and a little mechanical hand will come out and slap your hand and says in a mechanical drony voice that, uh, uh, you know, your health profile dictates that you not have this donut, so don't eat that. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that sounds silly, but I mean, we're almost there now anyway. Uh, with these smart meters, okay, not only are they giving off so much electromagnetic energy that it's actually causing some people health problems and mental problems, but uh, they register everything that's going on electrically in your house uh, down to when it goes on, when it goes off, and how much juice is being used, which means that, again, run it through a computer, and they can know exactly what you're doing, and they can tell what channel you're on on TV. They tell you, they can tell you how much you open your refrigerator. Uh, you know, it's 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 getting incredible. And then uh, I tell you, I you know, I tried to get away from all this by moving out to a rural area, and I'm out here in an unincorporated area. I don't even live in a city or a town. Oh wow! And yet uh, they've been all of a sudden every little intersection out here is now getting a traffic light. And so I checked to say, we don't need traffic lights there. Good old stop sign, do just as well. Yeah, but we get this money from Homeland Security. And, uh, hey, man, we're getting this money from the government. Nobody ever stops to think that, that, that where'd that money come from? Came out of your pocket. Yeah. Okay? So it's not like we're getting some largesse from somebody. But anyway, so Homeland Security says, yeah, we'll give you money to put in these uh, traffic lights uh, along with cameras. Our RIFD readers, yeah. uh, facial recognition software, you know. I mean, they're setting up a spy system that would make the Gestapo green with envy. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, the scary part, too, is that, you know, people are acquiescing to this. Oh, it's yeah, like that's people what want me. These, these things. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, I, I don't know who, I, who I'm more frustrated with, the people who are trying to put this over on us and control us and uh, learn every detail of our life and keep us under surveillance 24-7, or the idiots that are putting up with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, they as a man... I was in the airport not long back, and I was grumbling about what was going on, and some lady behind me said, well, they have to protect us from the terrorists. And, man, I almost got myself arrested. I said, lady, the only real terrorists are in Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah. And it's the truth if you'll go and actually study out the uh, information. No, absolutely. That's a <laughs> yeah. But see, yeah. But see, there's a big, wide gulf of ignorance between it's, people yeah. like you, Tim, and others who keep up read, think about what's really going on, study the issues, and the people who just watch television. Right, right. That brings up an interesting sort of uh, point, because like I said, it's been about a year and a half since we talked, and, uh, you know, you, you, we've seen these sort of like revolutions in, in other countries and stuff, and sort of a, I don't know what you'd call the Occupy thing. So, I, I mean, there seems to be some undercurrent, but at the same time, it never seems to go very far, at least here in America. I mean, the Tea Party and the Occupy movements were very similar in their grassrootsness. And then they got co-opted. Right, exactly. 
because whoever has the gold makes the rules. Yeah. So it's very weird. I mean, I, I just don't see how... The frustrating part is, like you said, the, the people who are who are just going along with this. But it's like, even when people rise up and try to do anything or educate other people about it, you, you wonder where that tipping point is. I think it well, started this. You, you mentioned, you know, this seems to be, where's this tipping point? Well, this is why that you no longer hear any national politician refer to the republic, okay? All they can talk about is democracy, democracy. We've got to go to the Middle East and bring them democracy. We got to save democracy. Well, what's what's look in the dictionary? What's democracy? That's just rule by the majority. Okay, and it sounds good on paper, but if you stop and think about it, the classic example of democracy in action is a lynch mob. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Majority say lynch him. So okay, well let's lynch him. That is not what we were given. That is not what we want. We were given a democratic republic. So what's the difference? Well, in a democratic republic, there are laws and checks and balances to protect the rights of the minorities. Okay? So that if the majority say lynch him, the, in a republic, no, you have to give him a fair trial. And you have to give him legal representation. And you get, he gets to confront his accusers and gets to confront the evidence against him. And then if a jury of his peers finds him guilty and maybe even gets one appeal and that's it, the appeal is, you know, turned down, then you can lynch him. Alright? But by the way, today with the National Defense Authorization Act, now you don't even get legal representation. If they determine that you're doing something against national security, whatever that is, I mean, you know, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest criminal against national security was British Petroleum. Yeah. When, when they wrecked the Gulf of Mexico. But what happened to them? Did they get called on the carpet? Did they have to go to court? No. In fact, they were put in charge of cleaning the mess up, which they didn't do. They only buried it down to the bottom of the Gulf with Corexit. Okay? And so, you know, all bets are off. The, the system has just come unglued. And it's not there. And now under the uh, National Defense Authorization Act, they can claim that, hey, you, Tim, you're on the radio, you're you're talking about stuff that kind of is in condemnation of the government, so you must be a potential terrorist. So they can come grab you without a warrant, kick in your door, take you into custody, hold you indefinitely, okay, without legal representation and without a trial until they decide they might want to put you in front of a military tribunal. And if you think that sounds too severe, just go read the damn act. That's what it says. And if you think that doesn't smack of totalitarianism, then go to the White House uh, website and read the National Resources Executive Order. It was signed by President Obama on March the 16th. It says uh, whether in an emergency, a uh, national emergency, or not, even in a non-emergency, uh, he can declare basically martial law and that uh, assume control over all resources, energy, farm, farm equipment, food, water, you know, everything yeah. in this country, property. Uh, take your property, and people go, oh, well, yeah, you're just a conspiracy theorist. You're just making this. No, it's right there. It's it's on paper. The only reason is is that troops hadn't shown up to take your house yet, okay? So most people aren't paying attention because they're too distracted and they're too busy watching other things, too busy arguing over the dog and pony show that 
party politics has become. Right, right, even, right. Even though, the, as you well know, Tim, there's no, there's no difference. That's no, just a reality show. Yeah, it's just a yeah. reality show. That's the in, scary in part. In fact, uh, you know, picture this. Let's say you're head of the Republican National Committee. Well, number one, you want a candidate who's got a really good chance of beating Obama, right? Absolutely. And concurrently, you want a candidate who can raise a lot of money because that's what it takes. All right. So let's see now of the current crop of uh, Republican potential candidates, most of whom are now dropped out or given up the ghost. We got one who has raised more money than all the rest put together. And we have one who says we need to audit the Fed and get our money situation straightened out and that we need to quit trying to police the world and get our troops over here to defend the country, which is their primary purpose. And uh, you've got one who has the most individual support from members of the Army, Navy, and Air Force. And you have one who is a veteran, and you have one who does know uh, medical treatment and uh, is on top of all the medical situation. And uh, as I said, who's raised more money and all the rest of them put together. Obviously, that would be our guy, right? Well, but that's Ron Paul. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God, Ron Paul, well, he's unelectable. We can't have him. Say, Now, what does that show you? That shows you that at the leadership of the Republican Party, they're no different than the Democrats. Right, they're right. controlled by the same financial interest and the same new world order thinking, and yet because not only do they not go for Ron Paul, but they have actually worked diligently to see these off the ticket. Exactly. I just, yeah. I'm just learning down here in Texas, uh, back in 2008, the precinct conventions were always held at our precinct after the voting, and mm-hmm. so thing I did for a long time was just find out what was going on, would be to go and vote right at, towards the end of the voting day, and then hang around to see what the Democrat and Republican precinct conventions were doing. Well, this year I know there was a lot of people who were planning to go and hang around and go to the Republican precinct convention so that they could vote for Ron Paul. Right. Oh, but, oh, all of a sudden they've changed the rules. And the Precinct conventions are now no longer on the same date as the vote. They moved it up a few weeks. So, oops, it's already happened. So that nobody even knew this was happening, and nobody got to go and get their input in there, uh, except for the old guard Republicans who, you know, they got the word, and they showed up, and they put their candidates in there. That's not right. Right, right. That's not right. Well, that's but the frustrating. They've been, they've been doing stuff like this, uh, not to mention the the uh, one of the news channels found that in Florida, there were hundreds of illegal aliens uh, who are registering to vote and getting to vote. Jeez. Well, you know, not only is that wrong, it's illegal. Yeah. But they're doing it anyway. And who do you think they're going to vote for? They're going to vote for whoever promises them the most. Right. And we right. all know who that's going to be. Even though I don't, I don't see anybody could believe anything Obama said. Just go back and start listing all the promises he made as a candidate, and then go down that list and see how many of those he's kept. None, zero, zip, nothing, not a, not a one of them. Okay, so anybody could believe that he's got any kind of hope for change is beyond me. Well, the frustrating part, and you wonder if it's going to wake people up, is that. Like people, I mean, it's even kind of like an open, acknowledged thing that that the uh, that Ron Paul has been completely marginalized by the mainstream media and everything. Right. And you still see people like on Facebook who are 
ardent Ron Paul supporters, and you almost want to slap them and be like, like, it's not, the, the fix is in. Don't you get it? The fix is in. Like, I don't get, I'm hoping that pe- this this whole, I don't know, imbroglio with Ron Paul will wake them up that, that you know, even if they find the perfect candidate, you, you can't get them elected president. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Doesn't that tell people that that uh, us conspiracy theories must we must have it right? Okay, because exactly. there is no free vote. There is no real. The the system is not working. Speaking of Tim, did I tell you what my new definition of a conspiracy theorist is? What's that? Well, that's someone who watches even less television than you. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, you know, it, this, this world, like, like you said way back in 2005, you know, we're not even gonna recognize, uh, the state this country's in. It's very, uh, it, it feels like, you know, back when we first talked, it was, there was a lot of military imperialism going on in the Middle right. East, and that's still kind of like it brewing under the surface, but now it seems like there's a lot more social tinkering going on that, that's even oh, yeah, more absolutely. alarming. Well, that's because, uh, in 2008, they shifted they, meaning the people who are trying to control the world and this nation, shifted us from the national socialism of the Bush administration to the Marxist socialism of the Obama administration. Yeah. But it's still socialism. And it's, what they do is they pull the old used car salesman scam on us. You know, you're walking down the street, the used car salesman grabs you off the street, pulls you in the used car lot and says, hey, Tim, you like that green one or you like that red one? And you go, well, he said, hey, look, man, now the red one, that's a chick magnet, man. You can pick up the girls in that. But now I got to admit, that green one, it gets better gas mileage. And you go, yeah, well, I guess that green one would make better sense. Well, come on in, we'll sign up the papers. <laughs> you know, and after you're happily driving off in this green car, you suddenly realize, I didn't want a green, I didn't want to buy a car in the first place. <laughs> I wanted a bicycle. Okay, and so that's exactly what they're pulling on us. You know, you want Marxist socialism or national socialism? Well, wait a minute. I don't want any socialism at all. Right. But we're not getting that choice, are we? Well, it's scary, too, in a sense, because you wonder if they know more about what... It feels like there's something coming down the pike. Oh, yeah. It feels like they're they're trying to get into lockdown mode or have it ready to go. Exactly. And that's why nobody has felt the bite of it yet, because they can still go to the grocery store and get their beer and groceries and go home and watch TV, and it's like everything's... They mow the grass and everything's okay. They just don't realize what's fixing to come down on them. And here we are in 2012, although I might point out that... uh, you know, it's just April. <laughs> yeah. We haven't hit the end of the year yet. Maybe there's a reason why Dick Clark died. <laughs> there won't be any happy new year this year. It's very possible. It's very possible. It's, uh, you know, everyone's been looking forward to this year for quite some time. So, it'll, uh-huh. you know, we may end up living to regret that, uh, anticipation. So. Yeah, that's true. In fact, I, I think I, I think I figured out why the Mayan calendar ends on December the 21st of this year that, you know, way back there where the guy was, uh, carving out the Mayan calendar, he got to December the 19th, December the 20th, and oops, he ran out of room. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no more room on the rock. So who knows? Who knows? But I'll tell you, you can, as you, as you, you said by some of the comments you've already made, you're well aware that things are ramping up. Yeah. Okay. And we're getting ready for some some really wild stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, you know, it's it's 
it's weird because things, major events happen all the time, and it's like you, you don't really like take them all into consideration until you look back on it. Like you were saying when we started here, it was like you started naming events that I hadn't even really recalled. Even you know, like I, I've already, like people forget about the Gulf spill because the Fukushima thing happened. You know, yeah, that's right. It's that's like right. what is going on here in this world? It's and it's, pretty soon they'll forget about that because we'll have attacked Iran. <laughs> you know, exactly. It's always something. Well, see, the, listen, these people are trying to run the show. And the question I raised in my new book is, are they even us? Which is, you know, sounds pretty outrageous, but when you look at the evidence and the facts and put it all together, you know, it certainly is not without the realm of possibility to at least raise that question. But they are way, they're way ahead of us. And they, they make plans, you know, most of us makes plans, you know, week to week, you know, from paycheck to paycheck. Right. And then a few people are fortunate enough, they make plans year to year. Uh, but, uh, these folks, they make plans 50 years, 100 years in advance and then work their plan. Right, right. It's like the old thing about how, you know, the military technology is like two generations behind what, what, what they really are. It's like right. they're operating in, in all, all together in that aspect. Right. right. And, and some of the things, let me tell you, that's going on, uh, you know, I, I could, we could spend the whole, uh, program here talking about scalar weaponry. And I'm sure that, most people out there listening are going to go, scalar weaponry, what's that? They don't have any idea. And yet this stuff is really spooky. And, by the way, can cause earthquakes and tidal waves and tsunamis and can move hurricanes. And, again, a lot of people go, oh, man, come on. That's conspiracy theory. No, let me tell you something. About a year ago, there was an article in U.S. News and World Report, and it was uh, in their science section, and it was all just this glowing report about how scientists said that now they can uh, use uh, lasers to bounce it off the ionosphere, and they can heat up the uh, water of a hurricane, and they can use these lasers to decrease the velocity and the uh, the harmfulness of a hurricane, and by heating the water to one side or the other can actually guide it, a bad hurricane, away from uh, population centers. Well, that just sounds wonderful. God, what a great deal. You know, maybe now we can be saved from some of these killer storms like uh, Hurricane Katrina. But, but wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they can decrease the velocity and guide it away from centers, then you know that means they can increase the velocity and guide it into population centers. So, you know, people people have to think. They have to think about these things. They can't just listen to the media and expect to be told the truth of anything. Right. I don't know how anybody anyone... Just, somebody read that article, got skimmed it. They go, well, what a great thing. Maybe they can, you know, ameliorate the uh, effects of a bad hurricane. And they don't stop to think, well, man, if they can do that, then they can cause one to be worse and guide it and use it as a weapon. <laughs> you wonder why they, the you know, the powers that be... I was talking about this with Ken Thomas the other night. It's like, when is enough enough with these people, with the technology and everything else? Like, what? I understand the well, this game is, hey, to have a yeah, world order, but yeah, <laughs> Tim, this is Tim. This is where it really gets scary, because greed and the thirst for power—that's one thing. Corporate greed, you know. Okay. In fact, what's really scary about the corporations is not so much that they're run by just greedy, immoral people, but that they are uh, basically like machines. They don't have any feelings. 
You know, it's like we just after the bottom line. Right, and right. Whatever they just we want have profit. to do. Yeah. yeah, whatever we have to do to maximize profit, that's what we're going to do to hell with the consequences. But it's even worse than that. These people who are, if they are us, behind this New World Order bunch, if you'll read their position papers and watch what they uh, support, they're eugenist, eugenicist, oh, yeah. okay? Yeah. They, they, they uh, want a, they see the major population, uh, the major problem in the world as overpopulation. And they made no bones about the fact that they want to reduce the world's population by at least a third, maybe two-thirds. Well, wait, wait a minute, how are you going to reduce the world's population by two-thirds? They, they want to kill us. Yeah. They want to kill us. They want us dead, or as Kissinger calls us, useless eaters. They want the useless eaters dead. Now, whoops, wait a minute. Now, maybe that could explain why they're spraying us with heavy metals and pathogens in, a, in these things called chemtrails, why they're putting fluoride, which originally was sold as a rat poison, uh, and then the Nazis found out they could put just a little touch of fluoride in the drinking water, and it kept the inmates of their concentration camps passive, docile, and uh, unresisting. And so now they're putting that in our water, and it also makes your, you know, it destroys your uh, short-term memory. You know, you can't remember anything. And I think it's starting to work on me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and the bad food. Uh, it, it's 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 absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, consider this. You know, if you take a herb that just grows wild, cannabis sativa, better known as marijuana, and you drive out a little bit, roll up and smoke it, boom, you're man, you're under arrest. You know, up yeah. against the wall, because that's illegal. But if one of these multinational drug companies grinds up that herb, extracts the cannabis sativa. Cre- creates a synthetic delta nine tetrahydrocannabinol, combines it with gelatin, glycerin, iron oxide, red iron oxide, yellow, titanium oxide, and then markets it to doctors and hospitals under the name Marinol, and that's going to make a bunch of Wall Street investors very very rich. Hey, that's legal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just insane. We're an insane society because nobody's thinking. Right. They right. just watch television. That's the thing. I mean, this is a this this world has gone to hell in a handbasket fast. It's a very uh, it's just it's just troubling. You know, it's great to talk to you because you know what's going on. You know, it's it's hard to talk to people. That's who don't. pretty troubling, right there, Tim. <laughs> Uh, I want to tell you, it's really frustrating to be the one-eyed man in the land of the blind. Right, right, right. And you and I don't even really know what's really going on or how bad it really is. Right, we you're just, just chasing just, them down. You're just yeah, trying well, to... Yeah, well, we see the tip of the iceberg, you know. Yeah, you're looking for clues at the scene of the crime, like the right. uh, song says. Yeah, exactly. It's troubling in a lot of ways, uh, you know, because... You know, they want to wipe us out. It's scary. <laughs> they, they want to kill us. And I think people need to be aware of this so that when they hear people rant and rail against the New World Order and against all this, they don't just go, oh, well, that's just politics. And, oh, well, that's just uh, some, you know, conservatives. And they don't want the liberals to get in. The liberals don't like the conservatives. Forget all that, folks. This is self-defense. They want to kill you.
Right. You better be aware. You better get aware and better start figuring out what's going on. Or I mean, you're going to end up in a camp or, or in the hospital, okay? Exactly, yeah. Well, you can kind of foresee a world where there's like just pockets of people in small places getting by on their own guile. We gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? Well, it's a weird, it's, it's, you know, you talk about this, uh, whether they're us and them and stuff, and it reminds me of sort of, uh, a point that Rich Dolan made in his second UFO history volume where it was like, you know, and he was talking about people with the knowledge of the UFOs, but this can be applied to let the powers that be behind this whole New World Order thing. It's like, whether they're aliens or humans or whatever, they've formed a, a breakaway civilization where they, yeah. they don't see us as equals at all. And that's the, you know, we got a big problem there. <laughs> exactly. And uh, see, and that's what makes it a mockery of this whole thing of democracy. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, well, Joseph Stalin pretty well nailed it when, uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, I don't care how you vote. I only care about who counts the votes. Right. And that's where we are today that with these computer voting machines and touch screens and stuff like that, which they have proven over and over again. In fact, state after state has decertified them and then turned around and taken them again. Uh, you know, they control the vote. So there is no vote. We, there is no democracy. We have no input. Uh, and money talks. And uh, that's why Congress, who we look to, to be uh, our protectors and to be our shield against an overbearing federal government, they're just, they've rolled over and played dead. They they get elected, you know, by claiming all this great stuff, and then they get up there and they vote for the same old socialist fat trap. Right, uh-huh. right. Well, it's, and that doesn't mean that I'm opposed to all programs there. I mean, uh, you know, Social Security uh, was an idea that was a social program that was put on us. And yet, you know, we, we I went all my life thinking that, uh, wow, I'm contributing a little out of every dollar I make and goes to into a fund. And when I get 65, I I will have a, a little bit of retirement saved up and, and I and for my old age, you know. Well, you know, like Lucy and Charlie Brown, they pull the football away. When I hit 65, they said, no, you got to wait till you're 67. And now they're talking about moving it even further out because they have looted Social Security to try to pay for their misappropriation and their malfeasance on handling the rest of the budget. So now they've had to raid all the all these uh, funds to try to pay off these debts that they continue to run up. And what's their solution? Run up more debt. Remember last summer when they were talking about raising the debt ceiling? Yeah. Yeah. And there was a huge thing going on, and, oh, man, you got to do it, or otherwise the government will go broke, and nobody will get their checks, and no, blah, 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 blah. So wait a minute. That's like telling me that my plumbing is broken, and my house is full of wastewater, and what do I do? Do I pump it out, or do I raise the ceiling so I can get more in? (laughs) (laughs) Got to raise the ceiling. Oh, that's insane. No, you got to pump out the crapola, you know. Right, right. Well, this and economy. No, no, they can't do that because they might lose a vote because they might, you know, somebody might not get their pork barrel project funded. It's it's insane. It's just insane. Right, right. We well, wonder if it's like if we're gonna 
enter into some kind of situation, like a world war or something like that. I guess if it's going to be like a history-repeating type situation where we got out of the original depression through a war and then, you know, things kind of settled back into insanity of, uh, of on the home front, if you will, if we're going to get right. back into that. And, you know, like people always say that we're going to have to get used to a, a lower standard of living here and stuff like that. So you wonder if, you know, how America is going to get out of this mess, I guess. I know. See, again, that's just that's just idiotic thinking. You you must get used to a lower standard of living. That's like my wife saying, "Well, you know, you know, we can. Our bills are piling up, and uh, and what do I say? Do I say, well, we just gonna have to get used to lower standard of living, or do I say, well, I guess I'm gonna have to go out and earn some more money? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my take has always been, I got to go earn some more money somewhere. Right. Go make another talk. Get on somebody's radio show. I get so rich doing that. <laughs> No offense, Tim. Nah, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> the check's in the mail. Just keep yeah, waiting. There you, go, there you go. Just <laughs> my credit. My credit's extended. Um, no, but you see what I'm saying. Uh, you know, we 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 need some more. We need some straight thinking around here. Yeah, but I just don't think. I mean, you do an amazing job in uh, Trillion Dollar Conspiracy. Sort of uh, what I thought was really compelling in that book was. The, the sort of expose, if you will, on the educational system in in, in yeah. the country and stuff, and I mean that, well, that's enough to scare Well, they've got us all dumbed too. down so right. that we don't even understand what's happening to us. So it's not even like, you know, as frustrated as we are with the with the, with the lemmings who don't know what's going on, it's like you almost they're they're almost a sympathetic. <laughs> We're a breakaway civilization too, because yeah. that's a sympathetic race of people that are so behind the times of reality that. You know, you just look at them and shake your head. I mean, you see them all the time, and you're just like, what, what yeah. are these people thinking? Well, we can call them the Sergeant Schultz Brigade, okay? I hear nothing. I see nothing. I don't want to know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and yet these people, when uh, in the Sergeant Schultz Brigade, when all of a sudden their, their uh, government check is slow or non-existent or the gasoline prices start go up to five dollars a gallon or more then they start right well what's going on well 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 how can they do this well blah 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 what's what's happening you know yes yeah. you know but they don't pay attention until it starts impacting them right right exactly that's the that's the problem you know that they'll they'll let their neighbor get get sold out as long as they're all right for now so it goes, yeah. It's like Nazi Germany. It goes back to that whole thing, you know. First they came for these folks, then they came for the others, and then it was too late. That, exactly. Then, yeah, that was uh, Martin Neumuller. Mm-hmm. And it's a classic example. You don't say anything until they come for you, and then it's too late, and there's nobody to stand with you. Right, right. But you can't tell people that because, you know, they... Until their ox gets gored, they you know they don't want to pay attention. Right. Then they, then they think you're reactionary or you're yeah. a kook, and it's yeah. like conspiracy <laughs> theorist. Right. Right. But you know the people I was talking and listening to people who were saying you know who were predicting the sort of sad state the economy's in you know way back before it happened and, and uh, on exactly. programs like this and, and other shows. Yeah. yeah. You know. Oh yeah, you've been on it for seven years. So see, you've been you've been right there with the roller coaster ride. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, at some point, though, I, well, I almost feel at times that I just throw up my hands on, on sort of trying to, I, w- I mean, I'm always going to try and educate people on this uh, through the program and stuff, but I guess trying to change the, the inexorable pace of this new world order. I just feel like, you know, 
I'm trying to stay to ride the wave, if you will, and see see what, how this is all going to shake out. Right. Well, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, but don't give up. Oh, never, Thank never. You. Nah, never give up. And because I'll tell you something, it's still, uh, the New World Order is still moving ahead, but I think it's slowed. I think they're having problems. Well, you'd like to think as they get closer maybe to the end game, then there'll be some jockeying for position amongst them about who's going to be in, in, in charge of the New World Order, and that'll slow it down and maybe, maybe break down the plan, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Well, in fact, it, 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 that's definitely the case, Tim, because knowledge is indeed power. And right now, and up until now, they've had the knowledge. They know what their plan is. They know how they're making it work. And they know they've got their minions out there. Uh, doing everything they order them to do, and most people have been just, you know, glued to the TV set and distracted and uncon- unconcerned. But as more and more people wake up, see, uh, their plan won't work, okay? Right. Because they can't make us do stuff against our will. If we go along, that's our fault. If we don't go along, then they're stuck because they can't make us go along because there's more of us than there are of them. And so there's more and more people waking up. And, uh, in fact, it's amazing. Of course, the problem is, is that they control the mass media. Right. So, a lot of people, I know so many people who are moving out of the cities, they're growing gardens, they're doing, uh, you know, they're bargaining and, and trading with, with their neighbors, and they're doing innovative energy things. They're doing all kinds of neat stuff. There's all kinds of neat stuff going on everywhere all across this country. But you're not going to see it on TV, okay? So most people sit and watch TV, and they think it's not going on. Even the ones who are working at it, they think, well, I guess I'm just kind of alone in this endeavor. But they're not. It's all over the place. But they don't know about it because they control the media. And if you just sit and watch the media, then you're living in one world like you were talking about, and actually there's another whole world going on. Right. That's the world we're in, and we're trying to get people to wake up to all this. Now, I I want to jump back a little bit to what, uh, to sort of the beginning of our conversation, because I've always loved your your stuff on UFOs, and, you know, as I said at the beginning, you know, I'm feeling kind of nostalgic, and we talked way back in the summer of 2005, and here we are nearly seven years later, and... The UFO phenomenon remains as perplexing and, and befuddling as ever. Uh, it hasn't changed at all, in a sense. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just more of it. What I find interesting, too, about that is that even when I first got into this almost a decade ago, it was like UFOs were still looked at in the mainstream as sort of exotic, in a sense. But now they almost feel a little commonplace, like they're... Like they're being taken for granted, and I, I'm slow to say that because I'm trying to find the right words. Maybe you can well, understand do, what I mean. Do you think? Do you think perhaps that's because we've been involved in a conditioning process, and that conditioning process is working? Mm. Uh, because I see, I can go all the way back to the fifties, and in the nineteen fifties, there were national polls taken, and like. Ninety-five percent, okay, of the people said there's no life outside the earth, you know, and that that's all just nonsense. And today, it's quite the opposite. Today, 85, 90 percent say, yeah, I think it's entirely possible that there's other folks out there in the universe, and we just haven't uh, officially come into contact with them yet. Uh, so that's quite a turnaround in, uh, in only about 50 years, you know. Hmm. And 50 years sounds like a long time, 
But ha- having lived more than 50 years, I want to tell you, it just goes by real quick, <laughs> even when you're doing it. And in the grand scheme of things, 50 years is just a drop in the bucket, right? Right. And so, but, so in this drop of the bucket, though, they have completely altered and turned around our, uh, concept of life in the universe. And today you talk to young people and you go, Hey, what about aliens? Yeah, sure. Okay. Right, right. That's because yeah. they were brought up on Star Trek and Star Wars and, you know, you know, for them it's just, Oh yeah, sure. Okay. It's only some of the old fogies that are still going, oh, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think there's anything out there. Right, that's the weird part. You wonder where that's going to lead to. Uh, you know, if we're, if, if, I've always sort of endorsed a generational idea that you know, as those young people grow up, it's going to this is going to become more commonplace, and eventually, yeah. maybe people are going to be like, "Well, why haven't we figured this out yet?" I hope. <laughs> well, I don't think it'll get to that question, Tim, because as the older folks die off and the younger folks take their positions in government, business, and, and you know, the mainstream world, uh, it's going to be, yeah, aliens, sure, okay. I mean, it's like. What you're questioning? You think there? You think there's not something out there? Right. You know, it'll just be a shift uh, of the paradigm. Uh, and they, again, you know, because like there, you know, there are these people who are fighting for disclosure. All right. They they want to have a press conference at the White House and with the President of the United States get up saying, okay, okay, here's the real deal on UFOs. Well, I don't think it's going to happen. But what is happening and and will continue to happen is is that more and more people just accept it until it becomes reality. Right, right. And then when you say, you know, there was a time when nobody believed that. What? <laughs> they're they're going to look at that like we look at trepanning, you know, which is where they used to punch a hole <laughs> with rocks in your skull to let out the evil spirits. Oh, God. You know, well, that, hey, hey, don't laugh. That was cutting-edge medicine at the time. <laughs> But but then they got better, you know. Then they then they found leeches. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. that was that was cutting edge medicine, you know. And today, oh, we've made real progress today. See, now we bombard you with uh, radiation, chemotherapy. Oh God. Okay. And uh, before long, people are going to look at that like they do trepanning and go, "Oh my God, you mean people really did that to other people?" Yes, yeah, sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it, 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 when it does become that commonplace, there'll have to be a tipping point. Well, we're kind of at the tipping point right now. Yeah, it, it's just again, it's not officially acknowledged because, see, to officially acknowledge it would mean somebody with some authority would have to get up and say, "Okay, okay, we've lied to you for seventy years. Now, do you really believe any politician is going to take that on?" I don't think so. Right. Plus, the, the, the follow-up line to that is we've lied to you for the last 50 years. Now here's the truth. Yeah. It's like, right. how are you supposed to believe it after yeah, that? Yeah, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm from the government. I'm here to to tell you the truth. Yeah, right. Well, That's another thing I don't yeah. understand. I just don't understand. If the federal government of the United States was a individual, none of us would have anything to do with him. <laughs> yeah. Because he's a proven liar. And I, I don't mean just somebody makes a mistake or somebody that once or twice, you know, dissembled and said something that wasn't actually true. I'm talking about lies after lies compounded by lies on top of other lies. They're, they're just liars. So, you know, why does anybody believe anything the government says? It's just beyond me. It's scary. It's it's weird like that, you know. It's 
You got no one else, though. It's like, it's like a codependent yeah, well, relationship. I know, I know. That's it. And that's <laughs> why, hey, and see, this is what they're working on. This is what this social socialization, uh, socialism is all about. They're going to, they're trying to turn, uh, government into big mommy government. Okay? Yeah. Like government's a parent. And they, the government allows us to do this, and the government allows us to do that. And the government rewards us when we do certain things and punishes us when we do other things. Things and and uh, you know uh, it makes decisions for us and we'll take care of our health care and our food and, and nutrition needs and everything and th- that's what they're working on. They want everybody dependent on the government because then they got total control. Right. Because I mean, if you're a child and your parents say we're going here. Uh, do you have the right or the, even the <laughs> means to say, no, I'm not going? Right. No, uh-uh. no, you're going to do what mommy and daddy say. And that's, that's exactly, I'm glad you brought that up because that hits the nail on the head. That exact, that's exactly what socialism is all about. To make everyone dependent on the government so that they cannot break away even if they want to. My goodness. It's almost like America got away for a while and then, but now it's being sucked back into this whole whole long term agenda of just you know. Yep, and this is this is uh, this is I write about this in my new book. This is nothing new. This is right. uh, they've been trying to regain North America ever since the American Revolution. You know, a lot of people. Well, they don't pay attention in school, and the schools aren't teaching anything any more anyway, other than try to feel good about yourself. But of course. Uh, <laughs> I often wonder how good are you gonna feel about yourself when you're 50 years old and you don't, you can't read or write very well, so all you can do is sell matches on the street corner. Uh, but anyway, they don't tell you about the War of 1812. That's when the British came back and sacked Washington and burned the capital. Okay, mm-hmm. you know we don't hear about that much. So 1812, they didn't give up, and then, but then they got beaten back then too. So. They finally decided to use other methods, and so they decided to slip their agents from Europe into the United States and foment a revolution, which they did. Okay, and it's, uh, we, I call it the war between the states. Uh, most people know it as the Civil War, but there wasn't anything civil about it. Uh, and it was all a plot by the European bankers to uh, split the United States in half and then let the North and South bleed each other dry. And then when whatever's left, the British with their army in Canada would move in from the North. And where was the French army? Huh? It's in Mexico under Maximilian. And they would move up from the South and the Europeans would regain North America. But that didn't work either. Thank goodness. But see, people don't even understand what's happened to us in our history, so how can they understand what's happening to us now? Right, right. Well, it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, the rise of the Fourth Reich in a sense, where you talk yeah. about how, you know, people don't realize that after the war, a lot of the high-powered Nazis just came to America and, and sort of, yeah. you know, took a lot of their social practices and implemented them on us. That's right. Yeah, we, we beat the Germans in World War Two. But we didn't beat the Nazis. We just forced them to move. And, right. again, and a lot of them, thousands of them came over here. You know, now everybody knows that, uh, you know, we got all the rocket scientists, Von Braun, Dornberger, and all these other guys. Uh, but most people don't realize because they haven't been told 
that we got their mind control specialists, their psychiatrists, we got their chemical warfare uh, experts, uh, and we got their propagandists, and they brought them all over here and rolled them into our military-industrial complex, and they set about creating a Fourth Reich, and they've done a pretty good job of it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's troubling. It's troubling in a lot of ways. Um, and the parallels are really uncanny mm, because yeah. the thing that put the Nazis into power was the burning of their parliament building, the Reichstag, uh, and they blamed it on terrorists, even though now the evidence points to the fact that they did it themselves, and then blamed it on communist terrorists, and then implemented the Enabling Act, which was legislation which gave all the power to the, the, the uh, leader, to the president, or in that case, uh, the uh, Fuhrer, the leader, uh, and then they started setting up camps, and they started uh, outlawing private ownership of weapons, and they set up a, a homeland, fatherland security, homeland security, uh, which was the Gestapo, to stifle any dissent and any anti-government uh, sentiment, and holy cow! What about us? Well, we got 9-11, which many people claim was an inside job. Uh, we then, they quickly rushed through the Patriot Act, just like the Enabling Act. Uh, and they began to set up FEMA camps all over the country. Uh, it's, it's, they set up Homeland Security, which is now, you know, dominating everybody and consolidated all the police forces, which even Jagger Hoover in his time said, uh, we don't want to do that. That's totalitarianism. But now we've done it. And the parallels are all there. We right. are the Fourth Reich. They just don't call it that. They call it, you know, patriotic America. Well, the good thing is, you know, here we are bemoaning the, the fall of the American Empire, which is, seems to be happening. And, uh, you know, if you look back at history, you know, you the Roman Empire and the British Empire, right. and now the American Empire. I guess the hope is that even if there is a new world order, that empire will fall eventually, too. Maybe our grandkids will be, will be lucky enough to, to be here for that. But, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that'll happen, hopefully. But that's part of the plan, Tim. How so? They they want the American Empire to crumble. No, I know that. And that way, then that way, that will pave the way because the American Empire, the American America, has been the thorn in the side of the New World Order. They cannot complete their world domination and their world one world socialist system, uh, you know, with a free, independent, and armed America. So they're having to destroy America, and they're doing a pretty good job of it up till this point. Uh, and because once the American empire crumbles, then everybody will be so disillusioned and they'll go, well, we want peace, we want prosperity, and they'll go for whoever promises it. And the guys with the money will say, okay, well then, you know, here we go. And in fact, if you want to see the game plan, there was a British Fabian socialist named Eric Arthur Blair, who back in 1948, uh, laid it all out because he knew what the plan was, but he didn't want to use his real name, get in trouble, so he wrote under the pen name George Orwell. And of course, he transposed the numbers of 1948 and he titled his book 1984. And in there, he lays out exactly what the socialist plan is for the world, which was divide the whole world into three socialist blocks. In the book, it was uh, Oceania, Asiana, and East Asiana. And in the real world of today, it's the European Union, the soon-to-be North American Union, and the future Asian Union. 
And then, because see, they, you know, I differ with some of these people who say that they just want one world socialist government. Right, that's what uh, I was going to say, yeah. yeah so no, they yeah. don't really want that, because think about it, if you had one world government, then there's no, uh, there's no tension. Hmm. There's no conflict, there's no stresses, uh, and competition, uh, and our enemies to point to, to give you the, uh, leverage for power and control. So they'll have these three sections, these three economic blocks probably, maybe even four because there's already a South American Union, uh, and then they'll play them off against each other for maximum profit and control. Yeah. That's the game plan, and he lays it all out right there, right down to their imaginary enemy, Goldman. Yeah. Okay, and Goldman was behind everything, but they never could quite catch Goldman. Well, you know, Osama bin Laden was Goldman. Couldn't <laughs> quite catch him, but he was always there, and he's always a menace. And you got to give up all your freedom so that we can combat Goldman. Yeah. Well, I'm taking away my hope that the New World Order will crumble because you're saying it'll probably just be a, a bunch of small little sections of uh, all controlled really by the, the puppet masters at the top. Absolutely. You're not Absolutely. giving me much to hang my hat on here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, well, you know, they they uh, want to be uh, in monolithic control, but they're not. Okay, so you know, it, it, the plans fluctuate as as the situation fluctuates. You wonder if there's anybody on that in on the inside who has any like I don't know, affection for humanity at this point, or if they right. really are. Well, or, or to to expand that even a little bit, and you know, if that if that's the evil evil cabal that's trying to uh, you know control the world, where's the counterpart? Right. Where's where are the freedom fighters? Where's the where's the underground? Where's the resistance? Is that us? You know, and I, <laughs> it's, it's us, I guess. But hey, we're fragmented. We don't know what to do. We ain't got any money. <laughs> we're too busy trying to make a living. You know, all we want to do is be left alone, and uh, you know, so we're not all that effective. But yet, if we could all get together and just say no, and then it all come to a screeching halt. But that ain't gonna happen until everybody gets wised up and becomes knowledgeable of what the situation is, and. Uh, I don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hold your breath for that. That's the scary part, too, you know. It's, exactly. Well, the good a, a good sign that uh, this is completely off the beaten path in a sense, because uh, it goes back to the UFO thing, is uh, it's interesting that, you know, as you've established here in our conversation, and it's pretty well, you know, I think a lot of people in the UFO community would agree, this thing goes back eons. It's interesting that... You know, at least here in the in the in the tiny amount of time that we've been looking at it, that 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 that, that now at least you don't hear about like ufologists of the 1700s or 1800s, but now it, it's <laughs> no. become a thing. At least you know people are at least looking at that finally. Well, you know, I think there's a reason for that actually, because if you were in the 1700s and uh, you knew nothing about flight there was no such thing nobody man can't fly yeah there's nothing up there but birds and clouds you know but you saw something up there and it was zooming around what context could you put it in you couldn't right you might write about i saw a demon or you might say you know i saw a vision of god or Something like that, but you didn't have a context. It's only been within the, uh, starting in the twenties and the thirties and pr pr particularly the forties and fifties that we had the technology to be able to say, Hey, there's an unidentified flying object. We know there's something up there and it's flying around, but we don't know what it is. 
So at least we had a context for putting the putting it in. Right, right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's at least, like I said, at least uh, people are collecting the evidence now and not just painting them in paintings or putting them on. Co- you know yeah. what I mean? It's it's good yeah. in that sense. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, you know, the issue has has evolved from. You know, is there anything there to, hey, uh, you know, what kind of propulsion system are they using? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, what is this thing? What's, exactly. what's going on? In fact, on? see, I've lived all through that little evolution. Back in the 50s, the big burning question was, hey, do they come from Mars or do they come from Venus? <laughs> you know? And, to, and then we get into the 60s and the 70s. 80s and the question, you know, got a little more sophisticated. It became, well, do they come from Alpha Centauri or do they come from Zeta Reticula 4? And now today we're even more sophisticated. Now people are asking, well, do they come from another dimension? Could they come, be coming from another time, another galaxy? And frankly, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. All of the above. Right, right. Well, it'll be interesting to see because it does seem like uh, I've, I've made the analogy to someone recently that, you know, UFOs, for me, as someone who's interested in the subject and everything, I kind of look at them now as almost like uh, like an ex-girlfriend. Like, we had a lot of great times, but they haven't done much for me lately. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but again, I think that's part of the conditioning process. Because early on, well, we'll, we'll take you as an example. You old example, you. Uh <laughs> When you first got interested in UFOs, it was an exciting and a new uh, field and something that you could get really kind of enthusiastic about and, and lay awake at night pondering, what are they, where they come from, what are they doing? But, you know, after time, well, what is it, uh, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah, yeah. You know? After a while, it's like, yeah, okay. What else is new? You know, or like you said, what have you done for me today? <laughs> All right. And so I think that's part of it because, uh, you've just about explored it to the limits of what we can find out, uh, to the best of our abilities today. Okay. But now it doesn't mean you know everything about it. There's still plenty more to go, but we just don't have access to the information. Well, that's the weird part, too. I mean, we talk about how at least now we're looking at it, but then we've got like a collective 50-year history of looking at this thing, and right. at the end of the day, we really, for for the mainstream, let's say, we haven't even proven the fundamental question of are UFOs real, even though I think everybody in ufology agrees that they're real. Well, I think I think even people outside ufology, yeah, I think they realize that they're real. Uh, but you know what I mean. I mean, no, we haven't I, turned I over the page on that. Yeah. And that's we now know it's not a psychosis, and we now know it's not hallucinations. That was big arguments in yeah. the 50s and 60s, and we now know that's not true. So I think even the most ardent skeptic would agree that they're real. There's something there. Now the argument breaks down as to what they are. Where are they? You know, And the skeptics and the debunkers would say, well, they're just misidentified aircraft, okay, or secret government test craft. And, of course, they can't explain uh, very, very competent UFO sightings and reports from, say, the Aurora case in 1897, which was six years before the Wright brothers ever proved that heavier-than-air machines could fly. So, you know, what was that all about? Well, they can't explain that, but still their argument is it's still, it's, they're explainable. You know, so basically they're not arguing are they real, they're just arguing over, uh, are they extraterrestrial or not. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, I think you'd have to, you have to agree with, we'd have to agree, Tim, that we can't really prove that to everyone's satisfaction at this point. Right, right. That's the frustrating part. Like I said, I mean, we've been at this collectively as a, as a research community for like 50 years and we, we, we haven't really gotten to the bottom of anything. It's this, that's the frustrating part of it. But it keeps me going. I mean, I'm not, I'm not bemoaning it entirely. I'm just saying. Well, it, and that should prove that this is a, quite a mysterious subject. Exactly. The, the fact that 50 years of scrutiny and we still don't seem to be any closer to any firm answers. Right. It, yeah, exactly. That's a that's a very good point. Like people should that that should be a rallying cry of the mainstream if you will. I I keep waiting for that day when when with this sort of a, a turnaround where people are like you know, maybe maybe it'll happen on the Roswell 75th or something where people are like, "Hey, let's look at this again." Like we we, we totally dropped the ball as a society on this phenomenon. Oh, but but wait a minute, Tim. Uh, you mean you're waiting on the mass of people to start thinking? <laughs> Oh, brother, please, don't hold your breath. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, it's it's all I have really to hope for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, but there's still plenty of stuff going on, and there's still plenty of incidents happening. And and again, I think to me, of course, maybe it's because I just finished this new book and just finished, you know, about a year or more of heavy research is that uh, I think there's all new ground to be broken, not by looking to the future or looking into space, but looking back at our own history. Yeah, absolutely. There's yeah. so many wild and woolly things that is, uh, that are here, and there's evidence, there's skulls, there's artifacts, there's drawings, there's text, there's carving statues, there's so much stuff right here on this earth that points the way, and yet we have, for the most part, ignored all that. Well, it beyond ignored, it's amazing, too, that, you know, that we've lost that knowledge as a race. You well, know? There's a, re- there's a reason for that, too. Mm, absolutely, yeah. They don't want us to know that stuff. So. Exactly. As I d- detail and document my new book, going back to around the turn of the 20th century, you find that archaeology and anthropology and a lot of these apologies uh, were taken over and controlled by the wealthy elite through their foundations, their grant giving, and their grants and their donations to universities. And if you wanted to go study something they didn't want you to look at, then you didn't get any grant money. Yeah. And as long as you were content to only extend existing scientific knowledge by another half inch, well, you might get some some funding and if you mind your p's and q's and didn't really raise too many questions then you get to be a tenured profession professor and if you continue to just you know uh stay on the party line then you get to retirement and and you'd have a nice life and maybe even with some awards and with some nice uh degrees and things like that but of course if you said but hey wait a minute what about this over here well then you're out you're out the door yeah (laughs) and you're a you're a a a citizen lay anthropologist which means well you don't have any credentials you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) it's it's amazing that they've that that, you know that whole idea of like you know the rugged individualism and and the uh you know the american spirit's really been beaten out of the, the society in a way. You exactly. don't see Teslas anymore. You don't see, 
you know, the Wright brothers wouldn't wouldn't get the time of day nowadays. Thomas Edison decided, wouldn't it be nice if I had something other than this candle to read by? So he goes down in the garage and he invents a light bulb. Right. You know, he he didn't have a little string of degrees. He wasn't known as any particular expert. Yeah, and as you mentioned, same thing with the Wright brothers. They they built bicycles. But they had an idea, and they started working at it. And uh, but see, today, that's all been been squeezed out of us. Uh, first off, we've been squeezed into education. You got to go through public schools where you get conditioned to sit quietly in your chair and regurgitate whatever the teacher tells you. Uh, and if you try to think for yourself, then you probably have uh, ADHD or something. Yeah, get them on some pills. Yeah, get, get them on Prozac. And then, so if you mind your P's and Q's, and then you get into college, and let's say you want to go into uh, electrophysics, uh, okay? So, wow, boy, they put you in the physics department. And if you try to buck the system and say, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense, or, hey, i got a better idea, well, then, you know, you're constantly in trouble, and uh, you don't get to be a teaching fellow. And, uh, and then you, if you're not a teaching fellow, then you don't get to be a professor. And, uh, you know, if you still raise questions, you don't get to be a tenured professor. So, and then if you decide to leave academics, then the only place you can go being a physicist would be to go work for the government or a large physics corporation. And they stick you in a lab and make you sign non-disclosure agreements and agreements that say if you come up with anything that might be patentable, then it belongs to them, not to you. So, number one, you have no incentive to invent anything. And number two, if you do invent something, then they've got it. And if it would create a problem to the existing monopolies, then they lock it away and and suppress it. That's the way it works, right? Absolutely, yeah. And people just don't really understand this. They're still watch TV, so they think, oh, well, you know, if I could simply invent a better mousetrap, I'll make a million dollars. No, because... What you do is you invent the better mousetrap, and then the first thing you do is you run to the patent office, which has uh, long-standing documented links to U.S. intelligence agencies, and they take a look at it and say, holy cow, Tim's invented a better mousetrap. So they slap a national security <laughs> label on it, and, and it's suppressed, and you're left with your hand on your butt, and, and the public doesn't get it. That's how that works, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's like I said, it's really frustrating to understand how things work, and and nobody else does. Right, exactly. Because they watch TV. Yeah, we try to, you know. I guess that's all we can do is to try to, you know, get more people on on, you know, on the same page as us, and try and get them to wake up. Because it's just scary how many people just aren't. Right. You know, here I have been talking to you for seven years, and things haven't improved really for, you know. The quality of life, I think, has gotten worse for people, you know, because stress of everything. We're living in, I mean, I thought it was stressful back in 2005. I mean, shit, it's, 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 it's really <laughs> worse stressful. now, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, yet, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, maybe it's my imagination, but in 2005, did we have more room to talk about it? What do you mean? Well, I mean, do you feel like in 2005 we actually were able to, to more uh, openly uh, discuss and talk and criticize about what was going on. I think, I think uh, luckily, that hasn't changed too much. I don't think, no, unless I you guess see we'd it. Still, raise Kane. Hey, you and I are still here, and we're still saying the same stuff. Absolutely, it's just it's been being proven more and more true. <laughs> and we got, and we keep having more stuff to talk about because more stuff keeps happening to us. Uh, right. 
as a people, which is, uh, you know, at some point people are going to have to wake up and realize what's going on. But, you know, it's amazing. Well, what, if they do, they're going to be really shaken to their core because I, I think I previously mentioned this uh, Obama executive order over natural resources. Guess who, under this order, which is on the White House website, this is not some conspiracy theory. This is what he has signed in this executive order. Guess who's going to be in charge of all our water resources? In other words, all our water. Your rain barrel, the water off your roof, the water in your stock tank, the water coming down the stream, the water in the river. Guess who's in charge of all, under this executive order, who's going to be in charge of all the water resources? The government. The, the Secretary of Defense. Oh, God. Yeah. Leon Panetta, okay? Now, Leon Panetta, who goes to uh, Afghanistan and enforces the Marines around him to disarm in a combat zone, I guess because he's so afraid of his own troops. <laughs> Are we in an incredible situation or what? This is really indeed 2012 as we feared and 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 conjectured about it, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And yet, here it is, and it's happening, and it's like, yeah, okay, well, that happened today. Well, okay. <laughs> Just nobody is really taking it into context. But can you imagine that? A Secretary of Defense goes to a forward combat area in a combat zone and then makes Marines leave with their weapons outside. I know when I was in the Army, one of the things they taught you drilled into your head is you never leave your weapon anywhere. You keep it with you at all times, particularly in a combat zone. Right, right. It just brings up this whole, uh, like, stormtrooper idea. Scary. Exactly. In that sense, you know. They they just don't think for themselves in a sense either. It's, it's uh... I was just following my orders. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited for this new book because, uh, as I said, I'm thrilled that you're you're going back into the realm of UFOs because there's there's so much there, and I feel like that 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 may be a big key to understanding a lot of this. Stuff. I think it is, and I think that's why basically the new book, Our Cultured History, uh, kind of ties the UFO issue into the ancient astronaut issue, which makes for an interesting. Uh, Debate and interesting conversation. Yeah, because it's interesting because it's it's remarkable that there's people in the UFO community that don't. You'd think UFO community and the ancient a astronaut uh, theorists would sort of like get together, and some of them have, but it's still a divisive issue. And you'd think yeah. that, that the way you're surprised yeah, that it, it is. It is. But then that's how you keep people. You know, it's the old divide and conquer. You got to keep people divided because when people get together, they're unstoppable. That's why I'm saying if everybody in this country simply understood what was really going on and the dangers and the pitfalls that are awaiting us, and they all got together and said, okay, look, forget race, color, religion, national origin, liberal, conservative, forget all that. We're Americans, and we're for freedom. And we're for, and I'll stand for your freedom if you'll stand for my freedom. And then we all just stand up and say, no, we're going to be free uh, liberty-loving Americans, we could turn it all around because there's more of us than there are them. But it's never going to happen as long as people watch TV and stay divided and conflicted over petty issues. Right, right. Well, the media, they always, you know, seems like their job is to divide the nation. That's the unfortunate part, you know. No one's out there trying to unite anymore. No. Well, on that depressing note... <laughs> 
Leave it on upbeat note. Yeah, let's, what, what do you More, more yeah. of us than are them, things are looking up, things are changing, and uh, we still have an opportunity. If everybody go down, vote for Ron Paul. <laughs> Whether you like him or not, at least it's sending a message that we're tired of the same old, same old, and we want something new. And then when he doesn't get elected, then it'll be plain and obvious that the votes are controlled, and we'll know what the situation is, and then we can just deal with it from there. Yeah, let's hope so. Like I said earlier, you know, you hope this Ron Paul phenomenon will wake a lot of people up because you'd think the Obama well, thing would, and that didn't. And now, now they're pinning their hopes to another guy, and this that, that that's that's a whole stack deck. So <laughs> it is, and there's nothing there. Uh, just another, uh, you know, except for Ron Paul, we've just got a a nice selection of empty suits to choose from. Right, right. We never know the people behind the scenes that are pulling the strings. That's so. right. That's always well, how it goes down. Tim, I appreciate you talking with me, and uh, here's hoping for a better tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. Let me thank you just for uh, coming on the program and helping us kick off another season. As I said, I uh, consider you a mentor and a friend, and, uh, you know, I couldn't start a new season of the program without you. So it's been a great <laughs> well, conversation. You. Okay, I look forward to next year, and we'll see what we talk about then. Absolutely. Have a good one, pal. Okay. Bye-bye. That does it for the season premiere of BOA Audio Season 7. Big, big thanks to the legendary Jim Mars for returning to the program and helping us kick off yet another season of the program. Check out his website, www.jimmars.com. And if you are not familiar with all of the amazing books in the Jim Mars milieu, go out and pick them up, my friends. They are tremendous. Moving right along now, it's time for BOA Audio Listener Feedback. And in keeping with the way we usually do things here on the uh, critical episodes of the program, we'll eschew classic listener feedback to give you an update on where things stand here with BOA Audio as we begin Season 7. I believe I teased a lot of this at the end of the baseball special, but the gist of it is we've spent the last two months cultivating some tremendous conversations. I cannot wait to roll them out on all you folks out there. This conversation you just heard with Jim Mars was just one of eight episodes we have recorded, so we have got a ton of stuff in the pipeline here at BOA. And given how crazy it was during Season 6 with the interminable delays that just drove me crazy and drove the listeners crazy, I've really tried to focus in on scheduling here for Season 7. So going into the beginning of the season, I have tried to keep the focus here on getting an episode out to everybody once every 10 days. We're not going to be weekly. We're not going to be bi-weekly either. We're going to be every 10 days. That's the goal here for Season 7. I really hope I can live up to that. So far, so good. I think I'm getting this episode out to people actually a day early. If I was going to tease you with content of these mysterious taped episodes, I would say three things kind of come up throughout the course of all these. International stuff, crypto stuff, and conspiracy stuff. So you're going to hear a lot of that. We're going to mix in some other topics along the way. Don't worry. But those are sort of the big themes that emerged as I was taping these preliminary episodes for Season 7. And if you want some additional good news, I guess, I can tell you that uh, beyond this season premiere here with Jim Mars, which has clocked in at a tidy 90 minutes, all of the remaining episodes so far that we have in the can, so the next seven editions of the program, will be two-hour conversations plus. We just burned the clocks 
throughout taping these programs, folks, just went as long as we really felt like we wanted to, all the guests. So it was just tremendous, this uh, process, if you will. So I cannot wait for people to hear these programs. They are just in-depth and really thought-provoking stuff. I'm not going to just drop names here on who you're going to be hearing, but I think the really diligent, hardcore listeners can probably put together a handful of the guests so far because I've dropped their names in the baseball special and in this conversation with Jim about people I'd recently talked to. So you get an idea of who you may be hearing in the future here on Season 7. It's kind of like Lost. We're dropping little clues along the way for people to figure out the mysteries. And... I don't know. I think that's it on listener feedback and update on the season. Pretty simple. Look for one new episode every 10 days. Cryptids, conspiracies, and international stuff coming your way in the next few weeks. And it's fantastic to be back. I'm psyched, and I cannot wait for all the folks out there to hear these interviews. They are amazing, and I cannot wait to keep doing them and taping more and more really strange and off-the-wall stuff. Now that my back is not against the scheduling wall, and we've got a fresh new season looking out at us. We'll bring back the listener feedback starting next episode. The ways to get in touch with me are simple. You can write to boaaudio at hotmail.com, or go to the website and click the contact button. Final method, of course, is to join up at the official BOA forum, the US of E.com, T H E U S O F E.com. It is BOA's paranormal playground. Lots of talk about the esoteric as well as pop culture going on at the US of E. And, of course, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, so just punch in Banal, B I N N A L L, and you'll find me. Feel free to befriend me, follow me, or poke me. I'd be happy to have you as part of my online circle of friends. Up next, of course, please allow me to thank the esteemed and infamous BOA staff. Leslie, Chiron, Regan Lee, Joe V, Tina Senna, Richard Thomas, Bruce Pretty, Tony Morrill, and our webmaster, Jeremy Boston. I just got off the phone with Jeremy a couple days ago. We've got some really cool stuff happening at Banal of America that we're working on. It's so close. I wish we had gotten it done in time to launch Season 7. But a lot of the little bugs are still kind of sniggling about, if you will, on this uh, refurbishment of BOA. But when it comes along, trust me, it's going to be a whole new paradigm shift for the website in a good way. We're not going premium or anything crazy like that. It's just a completely different layout and design, and will allow for so much more at BOA. Meanwhile, in my absence, the BOA staff has been putting out some tremendous stuff, so head on over to the website and read their columns that have been posted since the last time you heard from me. There's far too many for me to mention. There's text interviews. There's all kinds of discussion on weird stuff like Alcatraz and ghosts, green children and skeptics, skinwalkers and orbs, and a really strange story about enlightenment. And that's just a brief perusal on my part looking at the front page at BOA. So get on over there and read some of these columns. They're amazing, my friends. If you're only listening to BOA audio and you're not reading the offerings from the BOA staff, then you're only getting half the story. Banal of America, B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America dot com. Make it a part of your everyday search for esoteric news and opinion. 
Up next comes the time in the program where I take my hat off and pass it around to the audience and ask you to make a donation to BOA and the Banal of America audio franchise. But of course, it is just the first episode in Season 7, so you're probably sitting back wondering, well, let's see what you have to offer, Banal. And I understand that perspective. Maybe in a couple episodes, your tune will change when you hear some of these conversations that are in the pipeline. Nonetheless, if you're a long-time listener of the program and you're psyched to hear us back and you want to make a donation right off the bat to kick off Season 7, there are two ways to do that. You can head on over to banalofamerica.com and click the PayPal button. That's easy to find. It's on the left-hand side of your screen. That'll take you to PayPal. They'll walk you through the process. It is safe and secure. But if you don't trust the Internet and you want to make a donation via snail mail, you can write to Tim Banal, P.O. Box 232, Pinehurst, Mass 01866. And you can find that address right there at Banal of America underneath the PayPal button. If you do send in a snail mail donation, please make it payable to Tim Banal and not Banal of America, since my bank is anal and they will not cash those donations. And if you send us something, please be sure to include some return correspondence methods so I can get back in touch with you. And thank you for reaching out to BOA. As always, no donation is too small, and all donations go towards Banal of America and the BOA Audio to help keep the franchise up and running, commercial-free, and freely available for all of our great readers and listeners the world over. On the next edition of BOA Audio, coming at you on May 10th, keep your fingers crossed, our guest will be Roland Watson, the man behind the book The Water Horses of Loch Ness, and we'll be having an in-depth conversation on another icon of the esoteric, as we'll be exploring the infamous and enigmatic Loch Ness Monster. I put this one right up there with the spontaneous human combustion episode, folks. This is a program I've wanted to do for such a long time. We're finally going in search of Nessie, my friends, and we spent a long time talking about the Loch Ness Monster and exploring it from so many different angles. It's a tremendous interview. You're going to find out just tons of stuff. You're going to find out about sort of the evolution of the Loch Ness Monster phenomenon. You're going to hear about all the different means and methods that have been used to try and prove its existence. You're going to hear about the ebbs and flows in popularity for the Loch Ness Monster and how the public perception of it has changed tremendously over the years to where it is today. And along those lines, we'll learn about the latest in Loch Ness Monster research, as well as Roland's thoughts on all the various Loch Ness Monster theories, such as the ancient dinosaur theory, the Nessie is dead theory, and a whole bunch more different reasons given for the Loch Ness Monster mystery. Really, this episode could kind of be summed up in a really cheesy quote, in the sense that you could say this uh, conversation is everything I've always wanted to know about the Loch Ness Monster, but never had the chance to ask. Well, I finally did here when I sat down with Roland Watson and just peppered him with a myriad of questions about Nessie. You will learn a lot about the Loch Ness Monster next time on BOA Audio as we welcome Roland Watson. That's all coming at you next time on BOA Audio. As I said, May 10th, cross your fingers. We're really hoping to get it to you on that date. And on that note, 
we close the book on the season premiere of BOA Audio Season 7. Big, big thanks to Jim Mars for coming back on the program. Big thanks to all you great folks out there. You are just tremendous. I have been hearing from so many people in the last two months asking about Season 7, wanting to know about the next series from Banal of America, sending in your guest thoughts, sending in your takes on different aspects of Season 6. It's just been amazing hearing from all you guys out there. And now we're back. The journey begins again for all of us folks, and it's going to be an awesome, awesome ride. Thank you once again for making BOA Audio a part of your esoteric audio playlist. Until next time, this is Tim Benall, thanking you for listening and signing off.